Hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm Teresa. We are, I think we're just starting to go live. So it'll take us a few minutes to get everyone on. Hello everyone, I'm Teresa. We're just waiting to get everyone here. And if you're on already, we'd love you to say hi in the chat room. Maybe you could let us know where you're joining from. Oh, Maria from Atlanta. Oh, we're so glad to have everyone here. I'm Teresa, and as everyone's joining, maybe you could say hi in the chat. Oh, Sherry from Alabama. Jamie from New York, Eloise. Hi, Don and Siobhan from a little north of LA. Yep, Minnesota, Tucson, oh, Connecticut, Joan from Wisconsin. Oh my goodness. We're so thrilled that everyone's here. And we'll just give this a couple minutes to make sure we give everyone enough time. Hi, Elaine. Uh, Jim from Fort Myers. Paul from Canton. Hi, Chris from Ohio. Everyone, if you're just joining, I'm Teresa. We are waiting a few minutes to get everyone uh, a chance to come on. If you'd like to join us in the chat, say hello. Maybe tell us where you're from. Hi, Doug from New Hampshire. Oh, Richard. Steve from Sarasota. Hi, Barry, Mark from Lake Balboa. We are so pleased to have everyone here together. Hi, Ed. Ah, wonderful. Our, our friends from Boston. Roberta from St. Louis. Welcome again, everyone. I'm Teresa. Hi, John. John from Cambridge. We're just having everyone say hello in the chat if you're just joining us and um, maybe have a chance to say where you're writing in from. Hi, Deb from Seattle. Dave, Judy. Judy from Glastonbury. Hi, Tom. Maggie. Ed from Newport Beach. Hi, Bob. Anne, hi, Anne. Suzanne from Claremont, California. I think we'll give it about another minute. I wanna welcome everyone that's already here. And people who are just coming on, Maybe you want to say hello in the chat. I'm curious where everyone's from, how everyone's doing. And I think we're live on Facebook now as well. Welcome everyone from Facebook. Oh, great, Falls Church, Virginia, Virginia Beach. Richard from Lincoln. 
Wow, Chris from Oakville, Ontario. Welcome. Alicia of Grand Rapids. We're so happy to have everyone with us today. We just give this maybe one more minute. Oh, that's super. Well, I think, I think we'll get started. Again, we're so pleased to have everyone here with us today. Um, my name is Teresa, and I am one of the physical therapists from Boston University. Uh, this is part two of a three-part series uh, related to balance uh, for people with Parkinson's disease. And today, um, we're going to discuss assessing balance uh, with a physical therapist for people who have Parkinson's disease and what goes into that and why that's important. So again, I'm one of the physical therapists from Boston University. Uh, we are part of the Center for Neurorehabilitation. We are on the campus of Boston University, um, but through the support of APDA, we're here for everyone across the country. Uh, this is our contact information. Um, if you had a chance to get in touch with us on social media, we would certainly love that. Uh, so again, welcome everyone, we're glad you're here. So why is it important to assess balance for people who have Parkinson's disease? Well, for one critical reason is that one of the major motor or movement symptoms people with Parkinson's experience is postural instability. We would use this as a, another way of saying imbalance or difficulty with balance. The other major movement symptoms, bradykinesia or slowness of movement, rigidity or stiffness of movement, and tremor, um, of the four of them, three of them can contribute to balance problems. So balance is a critical issue for people who have Parkinson's disease. Um, another thing I just like to note is of the four major movement symptoms, um, th three of them are a little more responsive to medication than postural instability is. Um, so it's even more important to have an excellent understanding if people are having difficulty with their balance of why that is. Another uh, a critical component related to balance with people who have Parkinson's disease is people with decreased balance are more likely to fall. Estimates um, indicate that up to 68% of people with Parkinson's disease report at least one fall per year, and that is a higher rate than uh, equivalent older uh, adults. So we know people with Parkinson's disease have a tendency to have more balance issues and have a tendency to fall more. Um, we also know falls are a major contributor to disability, to injury, and to decrease quality of life. So it is critical to identify people who are at risk of falling. In our clinic, we use a, a quick three-question measure to get a very general idea of the probability that someone might fall. So we ask everyone, or we measure these three things with everyone. We ask them, have you had a fall in the past year? Have you experienced freezing of gait symptoms in the past month? And then we do a very quick uh, walking speed measure. So we wanna know, given four meters, which is about 13 feet, can someone walk that in about under three and a half seconds or does it take them longer than three and a half seconds? Based on the answers to these three questions, we have some idea of prediction of who would be likely to fall within the next six months. And we stratify that in the low, medium, and high uh, probability. So we want to identify with everyone 
who may be at risk of falling. And balance assessment is one way to do that. What goes into keeping your balance? We know balance is not just one thing, it's complex. Um, and Tim from our office at Boston University gave a great presentation on this in July, uh, just in explaining the different aspects of balance. That presentation is available on the APDA website for everyone to view. So if you haven't had a chance to see it, I'd love to encourage you on that. Um, so when physical therapists talk about balance, we often break them down into these six different components. Um, and this is based off a lot of study and number of research articles. For today's session, what I'd like to do is use these particular terms. And these are a little bit more of how we think of what is being assessed of all these different categories. So you'll see this kind of information graphic come up throughout the different slides today. Uh, and I'd like to go through what we mean by these different aspects when we're testing. What is the ultimate purpose of a balance assessment? Well, it, it's really detective work. And that's how we feel when we're assessing someone's balance. Considering the different components of balance, we are trying to investigate for a particular person, what is the pattern of difficulty? Is there a particular profile? Of these certain areas, does one tend to, tend to stand out? Is there a pattern, for example, say someone is always losing their balance in the kitchen? Or is it if they're walking outside and the surface is not steady? Or is it happening when they're getting distracted? So we are questioning all elements of balance and trying to put together um, for a particular person, what could be the reasons for a balance issue? Um, and then we're trying to put that information together to formulate an individualized, specific, challenging balance training program. Um, so today, we're really talking about the detective work piece of assessing balance. For a balance assessment, what does a physical therapist examine? Well, for one part of it would be a lot of listening, questions, discussion. Um, we want to gather as much information as we can. Um, and recognizing that balance is a very individualized, um, it can be a very individualized. So what's a problem for one person is not clearly going to be a problem for everyone. So one thing we're curious about is someone's history of past falls or near falls or close calls in the house. Um, very curious under those circumstances, what happened, what were the environmental conditions. So we're really curious about any sort of past history of losing balance or falls. We're also extremely interested to listen and try to understand how does balance present a concern for an individual in the course of their daily life? How does it affect their movement around the house? How does it affect their movement outside of the house? What does the family notice? Um, just for example, I have some people that I'm working with who might say they don't have a problem with balance, but when we ask further questions, they'll say things like, I, oh, I don't do that anymore because I, I wouldn't be safe. Or I have someone that doesn't do the vacuuming anymore because it's just, it's not gonna be safe to manage the equipment, the cord, the way the rug is. Or someone that's not walking outside by themselves anymore because it's, they're not sure they can be safe. So we are very curious in terms of how balance is impacting someone's daily life. We have specific questionnaires that we often give people related to their self-confidence with balance. So you, we might give a very standardized questionnaire asking questions about self-confidence under different conditions. And that gives us a very objective measure, something that turns into a number that we could perhaps track over time. 
we're also interested in other aspects of people's health and um, what's going on with them. For example, we're curious about someone's sleep pattern, curious about the high blood pressure, might ask questions about cognition, depression, many other things that go into someone's um, mood and ability with balance and also affecting their daily life. So the beginning of an assessment is a lot of questions and trying to understand um, individual information and individual situation. When it comes to balance assessment, there will also be a physical balance examination. So kind of taking these, say, six components of balance. We start off perhaps with a strength and flexibility assessment. So a physical therapist is looking at the flexibility in different joints of the body, ankles, hips, neck, shoulder. We want to know what's tight, what's stiff, is something painful. I'm also very curious about the strength of different muscle groups. Um, so we, we may be doing uh, just a number of different strength or flexibility tests that give us information that will help us put uh, the whole puzzle together. When it comes to uh, standing stability or posture assessment, I'm going to borrow a picture that uh, Tim showed in our presentation, uh, his presentation last month. Uh, this is a picture from one of the first documented cases of someone with Parkinson disease. And I just want to point out a little bit of the forward, um, sort of forward leaning posture. These red lines near the feet indicate um, the support base that the feet um, kind of form. So the area uh, that around the feet are going to be the support base for the body. The yellow line indicates the center of the body and the way gravity pulls on the center of the body. So the way someone is aligned with their posture uh, gives us a lot of information about where their center of their body is going to be relative to their support base. So we're always looking at someone's posture and looking at, at their posture in terms of how they initially uh, seem or present themselves. And we're also curious, could someone change their posture if they were particularly trying to stand up tall? Could they do that? Is it modifiable? Are they in a particular posture, again, because something's tight or something's stiff or something's painful? These are all pieces of information that will ultimately go into our balanced training program. But we want to pay particular attention to someone's postural presentation. When it comes to balanced reactions, we have a number of different categories, but these first two I'll um, try to highlight. We have um, tasks that we, so this is someone's expected balance reaction, tasks that we do in regular life that take a balance reaction, but that we, we know is coming. We know if we're gonna reach something into the cabinet, what that feels like. And the body anticipates what is needed and makes subtle adjustments, the muscles, the joints adjust to be able to have the balance we need for the task that we expect. So this is balance related to something that we expect is gonna happen. And this kind of thing happens all day long. Anything related to lifting, carrying, pulling, chores around the house, chores in the yard, um, even just getting dressed, taking a shower, all those kind of tasks have this kind of expected balance reaction that we're doing all day long. In the clinic, we wanna assess this as well. So we may ask someone to say, stand up from a chair without using their hands or perhaps come up on their toes. Maybe do that first while they're holding on so they know what to expect, and then ask them not to hold on, and then have them come up on their toes again. And all the while we're kind of watching what their body is doing, how it's reacting. We may ask someone to stand on one leg and see how that kind of adjustment, uh, 
or what reaction they're able to achieve for a balanced challenge that they expect. So this is definitely a component of the balance assessment. Another aspect of balance that we want to assess is this idea of an unexpected balance reaction. And by that, what we mean is uh, situations or tasks that happen where you don't expect what's coming, but your balance, your body has to react to it in order to keep your balance. So I think uh, on the presentation last month, Tim gave a nice example. If you imagine you're on the bus and the bus driver starts off gently, and it's true you may have a little bit of an idea of what's happening. You don't know exactly when the bus is gonna take off and you make a reaction. If the bus driver has to slam on his brakes, you have to make a bigger reaction to hold your balance. In real life, this happens a lot as well. Can you imagine being with children or walking the dog and the dog sees a squirrel uh, or even just being in a busy environment where someone's bumping you or brushing by you and it's something you don't necessarily expect but you have to react to in order to be safe. Uh, and these balanced reactions have to be fast enough and strong enough to help you keep your balance. In the clinic, we have a, a, a series of tests that we do where uh, what we ask people to do is lean into a physical therapist. So in this one picture, you see um, the, the taller woman is leaning forward into the, uh, the other therapist who's giving her support. And then what we do is unexpectedly let go and we see how people react and are they able to take a step, catch their balance. Um, a similar version of this is very commonly done in the neurologist's office. So you may have experienced um, the test the neurologist does where they stand behind and give kind of a pull and they're trying to, again, examine your reaction when you don't expect what's coming. When it comes to the sensory systems, um, for these what we mean is vision, the inner ear sense of balance, which tells the brain where the head is um, in space, and then touch sensation. So a lot of that is what you feel at your feet, particularly what your joints feel. That, those um, joints and the, the touch of the feet also send information to the brain about what's going on and where the body is. So we might particularly assess uh, someone's sensation in their feet um, as part of the earlier physical exam to get an understanding if, if that's impaired or not. And in real life, this pops up quite a bit. Um, anytime you're walking on an unsteady surface, like say the beach or grass or leaves, your body is having to adjust to the uh, surface that's not steady. And the information is constantly being transmitted from what your joint sense to the brain and back down from the brain to make adjustments to keep you balanced. Um, you can also imagine situations where um, say you're you don't have your full vision. Say for example, you're up in the middle of the night and it's dark, but you have to get to the bathroom, your vision hasn't adjusted. So situations where you don't have your full vision available to you can also be um, difficult for balance. So that's actually something we wanna assess in the clinic. Um, again, this is relevant in real life situations where things are unsteady, maybe things are uphill, uh, that kind of thing. So in the clinic, what's typical for us is to evaluate someone's balance when they're on a steady surface, and then also when they're on a foam surface, when their feet are very narrow. Um, we also, again, as I mentioned, we in investigate how people's balance uh, responds when their eyes are open, how it responds when their eyes are closed. When it comes to stability with walking, this is another uh, area that we want to um, pretty stringently investigate to find out what elements of walking stability may be problematic for a certain person. 
Um, and this again happens in real life all the time. If someone's walking and talking to you, you're turning your head to look at them, maybe distracted by what you're seeing. If you're walking, you have to check your phone, uh, or you're checking something um, in the distance. Even at home, just walking while you're trying to talk to someone else or um, think of something. So this idea of stability with walking uh, is something we test as well in the clinic. And um, we test this with asking people to walk faster, walk slower, walk while they're actively turning their head. We ask them to walk and do a quick turn and stop. We ask them to walk and step over an obstacle. Uh, we ask them to um, walk and um, make a quick turn and then ask them to maybe do some walking where while they're doing counting tasks in their head, something that's purposely designed um, to distract someone to see how do those challenges affect someone's stability with walking. We, we know that um, for people with Parkinson disease, the automatic nature of walking can be affected. So often people are using a lot of concentration uh, to maintain their walking, maintain their steps, maintain their balance. So when something disrupts that concentration, it can be uh, a problematic uh, challenge for balance. So we really want to understand for a particular person, what are the challenges and then try to determine why so we can determine um, what to do about it. So in brief summary, Balance is complex, certainly not just one thing, and we wanna look at all aspects of balance with the assessment. A balance assessment is critical for people who have Parkinson's disease in order to develop a personalized balance training program that will address some of these issues and keep people safe. Um, we also advocate frequent assessment of balance. So we try to do it with someone every six months, every year, every time we see them, similar to how you'll see your neurologist periodically. We believe people should be checking with a physical therapist periodically and balance assessment should be part of that uh, check-in. Another um, important um, component here is a balance assessment can identify people who might be at risk for falling. And maybe one of the biggest takeaways I wanna to indicate today is you don't need to wait until you have a balance problem or wait until you've had a fall to have a balance assessment. In fact, we strongly prefer to assess everyone at early on in their uh, diagnosis and their course of care because it gives us an understanding of perhaps small issues that could be addressed. We can be proactive in helping to treat balance. So we strongly believe everyone uh, should um, should be assessed by physical therapists for their balance. Uh, there is a lot we can do to help people with balance and to treat different issues and recommendations we can make, but the assessment is the critical first piece. So we do wanna let you know that part three of uh, this series is coming up in September, uh, where we're gonna talk about treatment ideas for balance. Um, so we definitely hope to see you for all of that. And, our physical therapist, Tammy DeAngelis, is going to give that presentation in September. And actually, we're going to welcome her in just a minute to try to manage the questions from anything that came up in this talk today. The other thing I want to mention, again, we're at Boston University, but with support of APDA, we are here for everyone. We have a, a toll-free helpline, and we'd love to take questions related to exercise, related to issues that we could help with. Our email address is rehab at bu.edu. So we're really here to help anyone, especially related to exercise, as much as we can. 
So with that, I just want to say thank you to everyone. And then just curious if we could take some questions in the chat and maybe even discuss a little further um, anything related to assessment of balance. That's great. Thank you so much, Teresa. That was really great. Um, we do have a whole bunch of great questions um, in the chat. And I'm, so I'm going to start with uh, the first one that came up in the Q&A from Paul, who would like to know um, if you have anything to comment on his balance issues occur with no schedule, which is definitely something I hear from um, patients I work with. And he finds with when he's sitting for too long or he's inactive, once he gets up, he's kind of feels frozen um, and the legs don't want to move. Do you have any suggestions for helping with that? I mean, I agree. I hear that question or a comment from a lot of people as well. And, and Paul, I want to thank you for that question. Um, of course, there's, there's no perfect answers, but if I could even maybe give some suggestions. Uh, the idea that if someone's been sitting for a while, the stiffness um, it could be a little more prominent. So I have some people who have a small sitting stretching routine. And if they think of it before they have to get up, they're able to try that a little bit, a first thing upon sitting. I have someone that does um, a little bit of a, um, a Tai Chi style program. He does a little bit of his Tai Chi movement when he first stands. Um, now that doesn't always work if someone is trying to rush to the bathroom, but the idea of being aware that first standing after sitting for a while is gonna be a little more difficult. Some recommendations are perhaps trying to stay in place maybe with a hand on something for support to make sure any blood pressure issues perhaps settle um, in standing, maybe a small amount of movement gently before someone's able to walk or take off. Um, but I do understand the question. It's frustrating if there doesn't seem to be a pattern um, because that's something that um, doesn't get a very obvious solution. The other thing I'll say, and this is a very global comment, is that we know a balanced training portion of someone's weekly exercise routine is so critical. Um, so if that's not already something that's being incorporated, I would suggest that as well. Okay, great, thank you. Um, our next question, and this also comes up a lot, and it's sort of, I have more than one question regarding this, but it's a, the general question is about footwear. Do you advise or recommend any particular footwear for people with balance? And Nina had asked specifically about insoles, like Noboso insoles. That's one part of the question. And the other part of the question that we get a lot is, um, if people with neuropathy are there that which does impact balance as well outside of Parkinson's. So do you have any suggestions for that also? Yes, I, I understand this question does come up quite a bit. I don't have one perfect answer. I, I do have to say that. Um, so I would say comfortable, well-fitting footwear that is secure on the foot. So that would be my first very general recommendation. So the idea of a flip-flop or a slide-in slipper or sandal, the foot is working hard to keep that shoe on the foot. So it's, it's just a, an, another area of complexity that we don't necessarily need. So I'd recommend footwear that either ties or that's secure and that has a heel support. Um, I would also recommend, um, sometimes I've seen footwear marketed um, for balanced training, but by itself that style footwear is higher and sometimes cushier. Uh, so sometimes that provides an element of instability. Uh, so I just want to be sure that, it, that they're not, someone's not dealing with, say, a rocker style shoe or um, an insole that's very soft that someone feels like they're sinking into. Um, when it comes to neuropathy, uh, again, perhaps a little different for everyone, but generally indicating that the sensation is not as uh, clear 
from what the feet feel uh, to the brain. So in that situation, they recommend people are not barefoot, um, that they have, again, a well-fitting shoe uh, that would protect their foot from, say, stepping on something they don't feel. Great, thank you. Um, here's another, we have a lot of great questions in here. Um, it, something from Alice, um, what would you advise people do to improve their balance? Alice, what a great question. And there are so many things, and I don't want to steal the, uh, the, the show from the presentation we have in September. How, however, if, if I could just say we have so much information that challenging balance in an appropriate way, so sometimes we'll use the word the just right challenge, and that's going to be different for everyone. What that means is activities or movements where you are actively working your balance. So just one example, say a movement style, maybe similar to Tai Chi, where there's a shifting of weight from different, uh, to different uh, parts of the body back and forth. Uh, it's training the brain, it's training the muscles, training the joints, how to accept a weight shift. And there's great evidence that that can help people with balance. Uh, we know there's a lot of evidence that dance-related movements um, or dancing in general can have positive effects on balance. Um, and the idea that you have, a, or anyone has, a balanced exercise program, so something that they're actively getting to two or three times a week, we think is a critical piece of a complete exercise program. I know that's a very generalized answer, Alice, but I would say uh, the first step is a balance assessment so that there could be specific recommendations made for you. Great, and then we hope you'll all join us next month when I talk about treatment and we'll get more into that. Um, so here's a really good question, and you're, you're presenting to us what a physical therapist would um, do for, to assess people's balance, um, and we've got a bunch of questions Neil and Janet have both brought up. How do you, you know, if this is a specialized thing that a physical therapist would do, how do you find a physical therapist who's either trained in this or has experience in Parkinson's, um, you know, especially if you live in an area where that, you know, there are less resources like that? What, how, what would you recommend? Yes, understand. Um, and this is the kind of question that if it was a very particular area, we'd love to help via our um, exercise helpline. So if this doesn't get at the answer for whoever asked the question, could I strongly suggest you email us or call us? But uh, uh, very briefly, I do want to say uh, physical therapists have certain specialties or can have certain specialties. Some physical therapists specialize in treating older adults. Some specialize in treating people who have neurological-based conditions. So if there's um, a possibility that there's a physical therapist in your area with a neurologic or a geriatric specialty, uh, those would be my first suggestion. My other suggestion would be in your area, there may be hospital-based groups or other physical therapy offices that indicate that they're familiar with treating people who have Parkinson's disease. Those physical therapists should be well-versed in a balance assessment. Um, if, if none of that seems relevant to your area, could I suggest you contact us on our exercise helpline uh, because we, we're happy to try to help find resources in a particular area. Awesome, thank you. Um, I'm trying to find similar questions. We have both Chris and Thomas are asking about frequent falling. So they're, they're falling, you know, several times a day sometimes. Um, do you have any, and, and uh, one of them has uh, a component of freezing of gait is, is contributing to those falls. Do you have any advice for people um, falling several times per day? I, Tammy, I do. I, I understand this is a generalized answer, um, but I hope it could be helpful. Sometimes there is a tendency to be able to find a pattern with those falls. 
it's possible if this is something happening in the house, it can be typical for a, a more freezing episode to happen in a very narrow environment, such as a doorway or you're just turning to get to the bathroom. We have used different strategies to try to address that. Some of that, first of all, if someone's freezing, is to try to stop the freeze and not keep trying to progress through it. So we'll often train people as best we can to try to stop immediately. And then different style strategies, different style movements or visual cues. Sometimes we have people imagine stepping over something. We've even put tape mark lines down on floors of people's homes so that they have something visual that gives them a cue of how to keep their steps even and regular. Um, we've also had people try to use the idea of music or something like a beat or even singing to themselves, something that provides kind of a, a timing to help the stepping instead of very short, small steps that are ineffective. Um, this is also something that uh, would be uh, very well addressed by a physical therapist who could provide an evaluation because I understand that the idea of for several people freezing, uh, sorry, freezing incorporates falling multiple times a day and it's scary and it, it's something we want to address. Great. Thank you. So we're, we're low on time. For those of you who, there's some great um, questions still in our Q&A. If we didn't get to them live, you can absolutely contact us at the number um, on your screen, 888-606-1688, or email us and you can speak with us and we can talk to you about your question. There's some questions about posture and use of walking sticks. So those are really great questions. Um, and then just a couple of reminders, the, in August, September, October, we do have virtual, APDA has a, a bunch of virtual walks still happening. So um, those are a great way to get involved and um, get out there and walk. And lastly, if you are enjoying these webinar sessions and others that the APDA is uh, supporting, we encourage you to consider a donation today so that we can keep bringing you this content. So thank you so much, Teresa. And thank you to all who joined us today. And we hope you'll join us next month. Thank you so much. All right, take care.